Hello and welcome to the Modern Activist Podcast. I'm your host, Kaylee Watkins, and today we're going to discuss mental health during lockdown. We are super excited to be joined by three very, very special guests, Hannah Lucas, Charlie Lucas and Mia Rose Miles. First of all, I'm going to talk to the incredible Hannah and Charlie, teen siblings who've created the Not Okay app. They are so inspirational and have achieved so much at such a young age. Hey you guys, before we start I'm just going to give you a trigger warning that we're going to discuss suicide and mental illnesses, so if this is something that might trigger you I would advise you not to listen. If you need help now, please call Samaritans on 116123. Thank you and I hope you enjoy the podcast. I'm doing great, how are you doing? I'm good thank you, how have you found lockdown? um it's been it's been interesting (laughs) yeah yeah how is it with you now are you still in lockdown where you are yes yeah we're still um the state has lifted its lockdown requirements but um we're still individually quarantined yeah because I have a chronic illness and I just can't afford to take any risks yeah what have you been doing then to look after your mental health during lockdown uh, um, well, I well, what I've been doing to take care of my mental health during lockdown is I actually started gardening, and I enjoy gardening outside. Also, I take, yeah. I fill up the bathtub. I get my laptop. I put it on Netflix, and I take like six hour long baths where I don't leave the bathtub. <laughs> and let me tell you, let me tell you, that's the most that relaxed <laughs> I've ever been in my life. Just watching like the office or something for like six hours and just vibing <laughs> relax <laughs> that's such a good idea and Hannah what about you uh for me it's really just getting dressed <laughs> um I love yeah. clothes so just picking out a cute outfit and wearing a favorite pair of shoes um yeah. just doing my hair and makeup once in a while just and it, yeah. it helps yeah, definitely. To be fair, most of the days I've spent in my pyjamas, just not <laughs> going outside at all. Yeah. So you Felt guys that. have created the Not Okay app, which is an app for people who are struggling with their mental health. Hannah, if you don't mind, could you talk a little bit about your development of POTS and how it led you to the idea of creating your app? Of course. So when I was a freshman in high school, um, I started fainting and passing out. Um, Later on, I was eventually diagnosed with POTS. It stands for postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome. And basically, it just causes me to pass out or faint. Um, So I was passing out all the time. I was bullied. I was harassed. I was even sexually threatened by guys in my engineering class who found out that I passed out. Um, Yeah, trust me, it was was honestly, um, it was just a constant nightmare, to be honest. Um, yeah, and because of everything, um, I, I developed depression and I spiraled deeper and deeper mm. into depression, struggling with eating disorders, self-harm, um, until one night I just, I couldn't handle the pressure anymore and I had a suicide attempt. But luckily that night, my mom, she saved my life. She really yeah. did. I'm so sorry you had to go through that, Hannah. 
And Charlie, you were only 12 or 13 at the time. Did you find it difficult to understand what Hannah was going through? Um, when I was that age, I did actually find it pretty difficult to understand what, was Hannah, what Hannah was going through because we've never talked about mental health. Uh, mental yeah. health is not really talked about, especially in the Black community, because we always mm-hmm. have to be really strong and we always have to be perfect. And we can never let anyone know that we're weak. So when Hannah came out about attempting suicide and that she was really depressed and that she was actually struggling with depression, yeah. it shocked me that that could actually happen to someone and that you could actually talk about it and be okay. Yeah. So you helped Hannah with the creation of the app. Uh, yes. For the technical side. Yeah, so as soon as Hannah told me about the idea for the app, my first thought was, in a quote, <laughs> let's go, uh, because <laughs> I knew I could actually help Hannah with the app, because I've been teaching myself how to program and create apps since I was about seven, because I was bored. So yeah. on that very day, I started working on the wireframe and the workflow, and then I worked with the developers to make sure the app was what we wanted and what Hannah needed. Yeah. That's crazy that you were able to do that at such a young age. Thank you. <laughs> so, <laughs> so how does the Not Okay app actually work then? Um, so the Not Okay app is essentially a digital panic button that when pressed, it sends yeah. a text message to your pre-selected up to five closest contacts with your current GPS location and a text message that says, hey, I'm not okay. Can you call me, text me, or can you check on me? Yeah. Along with your current GPS location and direction. And why did you think it was so important to have a pre-written message rather than them sending the message themselves? Because mental mental health or mental illness inhibits. I'm sorry, I just choked on air. <laughs> mental illness <laughs> inhibits a person's ability to actually ask for help. Um, yeah. So we just wanted to make it as easy as possible for people to get the help they need when they need it. And is the app able to check whether the contacts have gotten in touch with the person who asked for help? Oh, uh, yes. We actually do send the contacts along with, like, the text message and the GPS location we send them a link so that they can check yes or no that they are able to help. And we're, adding, we're actually adding a new update so that if none of the trusted contacts respond within two minutes, uh, yeah. the the i'm sorry if none of the trusted contacts respond within two minutes then the user will get a option to text to a warm line a local warm line that's so helpful so do you create the updates yourself um no we do have developers that i work with that did that because again i was 12 and currently i'm 15 going on 16 living through a pandemic and that's a lot. <laughs> yeah, that is a lot. <laughs> um, does it ever affect having such a big workload with the app? Does it ever affect like your schoolwork or your daily life at all? Oh, most definitely. Yeah. yeah. Um, it kind <laughs> of just shifts everything that we want to do. Um, yeah. But the work is worth it, you know, um, and I'm really grateful for it, especially during a time like this, because yeah. I know that if I was like, if because I struggled during this time um I know that there are so many other people who also struggle during this time so I'm glad that we 
put this resource out there for people to use um, during this time so that they can get the help that they need um, because you can be physically distant but not socially distant. So yeah, we're just helping connect people. So I'm really grateful. Yeah, my, I mean, my school life hasn't really suffered because I'm not okay. So I'm just an extremely uh-huh. social person. Well, yeah, yeah. miss school and stuff. I mean, I miss school and stuff, but like I would have done that already. You wouldn't have. <laughs> no, you don't. Whatever, Hannah. You love me. You hate being late to school. I hate being late to school, <laughs> but I also hate not sleeping 18 hours. No, you're always up early when school. <laughs> so your app has 100,000 downloads. Why do you think that it's been so successful? Um, oh, you can go for it. Thank you. Um, I personally feel like our app has been so successful because there was such a desperate need for this in the exactly. market. And it mm. wasn't being addressed by anyone else. And there was such a great need for someone, for something that took the words out of them, out of people's mouths and ask for help for them. Because again, as Hannah said, mental illness inhibits a, a person's ability to ask for help. And yeah. a lot of people just needed that voice when they couldn't really speak. Oh, I love that. Yeah. That's I definitely that. agree with my brother um, because you know there are so many mental health advocates out there and so many organizations that are doing such important work, um, but nobody has really created a solution like ours yet. So. Um, I think that's another reason why it's so successful because this is a quick, easy solution. Um, people can talk the talk all they want, but this solution helps them walk the walk also. Definitely. I think the app is incredible. I saw that you're trying to translate it into different languages. Do you think that it could be released worldwide in the future? Oh, yes, most indefinitely. We are trying to, we're actually planning on releasing it later this year. Um, September 9th for our big update launch, because we are transitioning from being a crisis tool to a pre-crisis tool. We are releasing it in Uh, Canada and the UK. Yeah, Canada and the UK. And then we're planning on releasing it into Ireland, Ireland and New Zealand later. That will help so many people. How can the listeners of this podcast help support the Not Okay app? Um, well, you can support the Not Okay app through a variety of means. You can follow us on Instagram, which is... At Not Okay app. Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. My mom handles Facebook because I refuse to get on it. <laughs> <laughs> um, you can also email us at um, support at app.com so that is our email address all um, my brother and I and also our mom have an email address so one of us will definitely check that email and get back to you as soon as we possibly can and also you can donate because we are a 501 I'm sorry a 501c3 <laughs> supported nonprofit, and we do need donations to continue updating and keeping the app afloat because we do use a third-party messaging system to actually send the text messages to people. Yes, yeah. so yeah. that's fun. <laughs> so aside from the app, I also saw you speaking at a conference and you said that you aim for suicide rates to hit 0% in 10 years' time. What do you think could be put in place to help make this a reality? Oh, our big idea from Aspen Ideas. 
Um, <laughs> that was actually one of my favorite conferences that I've ever, ever been to. Um, yeah. It was phenomenal. Um, but some tools that can help get that together is honestly, we just need to end the stigma. We need mental health um, care covered by insurance companies um yeah that should be standard for mental health care to be automatically covered by insurance companies you know like therapy um medicine even Mm. um we need laws in place that protect our mental health and protect our mental health coverage you know um teachers need to be paid more so that they can be um mental health first aid certified so that they can help the students because I mean let's face it teachers are the first you know they're the first line they're with um these kids eight hours a day practically so um those are just a few things that need to happen so that we can reach that goal as a society so do you think that a lot of the stigma begins in early days like education and socialization within the family oh definitely um, I think that most of the stigma comes from a cultural element, as in, like I said, the black community. I think it's just the parents teaching the kids to yeah. have a stigma against most things. It's like, it's a taught hate, like racism, homophobia, and other things. Exactly, exactly. I mean, not only that, but in so many shows and movies. Um, the you, exactly. Um, in so many shows and movies, there's always an insane asylum and they stigmatize mental health so badly, you know? Um, yeah. You know, it's like, oh, the crazy people go there, don't go there. Um, when really they need to just talk about mental health and mental illness in mm-hmm. a genuine and honest way that doesn't stigmatize it, you know? Um, there are actually a lot of shows that I think do this really well, but... Um, that's not standard yeah I think as well quite a lot of films also romanticize mental health in a way Mm -hmm. as in um it becomes a thing where the person becomes saved by a significant other and then automatically fixed somehow but I think there needs to be an element of the person has a mental illness but they're not broken it's just an aspect of them and they are not the mental illness as well exactly yeah I mean it's the same as all the sick kid um movies and shows you know where they're one person has a chronic illness and they're like they are defined by their chronic illness that's all they are um and then the love interest always dies by the chronic illness you know um yeah I would just love to see a show or a movie where someone has a chronic illness but the chronic illness doesn't define them, you know? The chronic illness is a part of them, but there's so much more to that person. And their love interest doesn't have to die. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So during lockdown, a lot of people are struggling with their mental health. What advice would you give to people to help cope during this difficult time? Um, Well, some advice that I give people to cope with is take some time for yourself. I know it seems mm-hmm. minuscule or like it's a really small thing that isn't really that important, but trust me, taking just a little bit of time for yourself is so important. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely have to agree with my brother. Um, and I think that taking time with yourself also includes, you know, 
watching how much time you're on social media. You know, during this time, it's super important to be connected to people. And I totally understand that. Um, and I definitely understand that social media is there to connect us. However, um, it's all about finding the right balance of social media for you. You know, some people can't handle being on Snapchat or Instagram because it makes them feel sad or um, it activates, well, not necessarily activates, it just triggers some of their mental illness. Um, for me, I know that I can't be on Instagram too long because I'll start comparing myself to other people in other people's lives and that's not healthy for me. Um, so really it's just all about finding the right balance for you and pay attention to yourself, pay attention to how you're feeling, allow yourself to feel what you're feeling, but don't don't make that an excuse. Definitely. And I think as well, everyone is dealing with the lockdown in different ways. And I think on social media, if you're seeing what everyone else is doing, there's almost a pressure on yourself to be productive. But I think you mm -hmm. have to realise that it's actually okay just to not do anything for a day and just chill out and watch telly you know exactly so this is my final question for you both that I ask all of my guests that come on how do you think activism fits into a modern society I think activism is modern society um because everywhere you look someone's always sharing their opinion um, and they're sharing the facts to back their opinion up. Um, yeah. So I think activism is our life, you know, whether you want it to be or not, <laughs> um, whether you choose to partake in it or not, you're still making that choice um, to or not to be active in that way. Yeah. But whether you are or aren't, it's still going to impact you. Um, activism, mm -hmm. I agree with Tana. Activism is such a massive part of daily life. Because yeah. sure, sure, those aren't like sure. I mean, sure, slavery is illegal. Sure, a bunch of things are illegal, like gay marriage is legal. Great, but like, we're still not done. We're still mm -hmm. fighting for our lives, our planet, exactly, our rights. People still yeah. aren't equal. Global warming is still happening, yet no one cares literally yeah. lgbtq discrimination is such a massive part of our lives and we're yeah. still fighting for our rights we're, we're still fighting for our basic needs and human rights definitely um what are your guys's social media so that our listeners can find you and follow you um at notokayapp.com uh at i am charlie lucas and at it's hannah lucas so that's where you can find us on Instagram and Twitter. Perfect. Thank you both so, so, so much. It's honestly so inspiring to listen to what you both have achieved at such a young age. It's honestly incredible. Thank, Thank you so you. much for all the hard work that you put into mental health. You've helped so many people. I hope you both have a great rest of your day. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you for having us. Yeah, it was it's really good awesome to talk to 
Next, I'm going to talk to the amazing Miro's Miles about a psychologist's view on mental health and ending the stigma around mental health. Hello, Mia. Hello, how are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm good, thank you. It's a long time no speak, long time no speak. <laughs> I know, it's been ages. How has your mental health been during lockdown? Wow. At the start of lockdown, it was really bad because yeah. it was just, I think it was just so hard for everyone, like being taken yeah, out of everyday life and then being placed in these sort of circumstances and there was no help for everyone either like online and stuff there was nothing so yeah it it was a struggle but I think as the months went through I think people started to cope a bit better I know I especially did with my hiking and stuff how's yours been Fran? Mine's been all right to be honest I think near the beginning I was a bit more anxious as everything and then it was kind of fine for a while. And then recently that things have started cooling down. I've I've gotten a bit more anxious around like going to shops and things like that. And, mm. you know, the whole thing with masks and stuff like that. I think that's probably made me more anxious. But apart from that, I've been okay, to be honest. Is, how have you been looking after your mental health then? So do you think hiking's really helped? I would that? recommend hiking for anyone or even just walking. Because I know some people don't really like Yeah hiking long distances I would recommend walking or fitness because such a not only for physical health but for mental health as well like it's such a big yeah even healthy so I would definitely recommend any type of fitness for anyone who struggles or needs that sort of stuff um and I know some people can get quite anxious with doing fitness outside because they don't really like people seeing them so you could even do it inside but I would definitely recommend that for anyone who does struggle with some type of mental health issue, especially depression or anxiety, because it is yeah. so beneficial. Definitely, yeah, I would. So, Mia, you're a student. Have yeah. you had like, a lot of work from your university recently to cope with? I've, well, we've had a couple of essays um, throughout um, the start of lockdown, and then we got yeah. our overall grades back. Um but it was really difficult, actually, because we've been, like, I'm sure you're finding with your A-levels, like, you've been yeah. doing all this revision, all this time you've spent into doing your final exams. And then yeah, you just have to wait it out by yourself, like, in isolation. So the workload has been really weird, actually, because it's just been, I'm not even sure the uni knew what they were doing, really, about it. Yeah. Piggledy, you know? I'm sure you know about that <laughs> with A-levels. Has your university given you much support with the workload, like how to cope with it? Um, not really, no. I feel, like, <laughs> I feel like they kind of expect you to know what you're doing. Yeah. So then they just kind of just kind of like, okay, here you go. Here's a workload. Do it. And I've been talking to a lot of my yeah. friends who go to different unis, like Birmingham, Cardiff, Exeter. And they all say the same yeah. thing. Like they've all said the unis have just been like, they don't is the work do it like there's been no support which I do think is bad on the everything's behalf really especially regarding mental health yeah do you think then that because of the lack of support you found that you've put a lot of pressure on yourself to be motivated and productive with your time and your work for uni so yeah because it's like you do obviously like even though you're at university and it should 
be a lot of like when on your yourself doing it I do think yeah. it should give you a lot more help and it does honestly give you loads of anxiety when you think I have all this work to do and then yeah. you don't know where to turn so I, I do think yes it is really anxiety provoking all of it yeah. it's horrible definitely so you study psychology mm-hmm. do you learn a lot about mental health within that within your course so we have um so in first year you have five different modules and one of the modules yeah. is really heavily focused on um different mental health issues so we studied mm-hmm. schizophrenia depression anxiety obsessive compulsive disorder so this was one of my favorite modules to do because it was just so I think the public perception of what mental health is is really diluted and it's been really skewed from Hollywood and the media and all different films portraying mental health issues so I think to study it in really good context it provides you with a really good overlook of what they actually are yeah what yeah do you study how to help people with these mental health or how to cope with uh, different mental illnesses? Um, so what we do is we study the illness and we study... Um, so all of the illnesses are put in a book and the book's called the DSA. Um, yeah. And we look at the book and we look at the illness and we see how the criteria matches up. And then I think when we go into second year is when we start looking at different therapies so a lot yeah. of therapies we learn about is cognitive behavioural therapy, which is about changing your thought processes and how you think. Uh, we also look yeah. at dread treatment as well, so antipsychotics, antidepressants. Um, but we do more therapy-based second year. But um, I'm really yeah. excited for that because I love learning about all the different therapies. <laughs> so you're a, you're a huge advocate on social media for mental health as well. Mm-hmm. Do you think that studying psychology and learning about all these mental health has impacted the way that you see mental illnesses? I think so. I think because I think it really does provide like a really in-depth way into how to how to um, deal and talk to people with these illnesses. And like yeah, like a lot of stuff like depression, I didn't really understand. Like even last year before I um was on my psychology course like I knew people got sad but I couldn't understand why for such a long period of time and when my yeah. when my October 2019 yeah. I think it really gave me an in-depth of right that is depression like, like it wasn't just the standard like oh they're sad I think when you look at all the different criteria and the context as well it really does help you understand and I've talked to a lot of people who do have schizophrenia and do have anxiety Mm. and I think studying it in depth really allows you to see these individuals not only as a stat as well like oh they're schizophrenic or they're depressed but you see them Mm -hmm. as a person and you recognize that everyone on everyone who has a mental illness is different if that makes sense so yeah. yeah definitely have you found that social media has affected your personal mental health at all? I think it has. I know it's affected a lot of people in my sister's year, like GCSE, because they, yeah. I think I've kind of outgrown the space, but a lot of them 
still look at Instagram models and influencers and they're like, oh, I want to look like that. And I think with lockdown mm-hmm. especially, there's not been a lot to concentrate on. So people have become very yeah. fixated on how they look. I f- that's what I kind of got the yeah, gist of. Um, with me- with I've been spending a lot more time on social media, so I do think I've started to limit myself off that now because it was getting to a point where I was doing five, six hours a day just scrolling, so I was just so bored. And I do think yeah. when you spend that much time on social media, your anxiety does become quite provoked. Well, I find yeah, anyway. Definitely. How do you find it? Definitely the same. I think as well, I did um a few months ago, I did a week without social media. And I just found everything I did, I was more relaxed at doing. I didn't have, I struggled sleeping a lot before that. And I slept so much earlier and things like that. Hmm. I think that, I think we should definitely learn to limit ourselves. But in a society where we are now with lockdown and everything, it is quite hard to find things to fill your time with. So you do find that you are scrolling and seeing things like you said like your sister seeing instagram models mm-hmm. and feeling a bit shit about your mental health you know so i think that definitely it does impact you do you think that alongside that people portray stereotypes of mental illnesses through the media sadly definitely like this is a biggie and it really really gets on my nerves like on yeah. tiktok um a lot of people do like makeup looks so they do like yeah oh, how would obsessive compulsive disorder look as makeup or how depression look as makeup yeah it's just so wrong and so off and they don't i bless i bless their hearts because i think they they're doing it in a very good way like they mean mm-hmm. they don't mean to cause offense but it is so far beyond what the actual yeah. what it actually is like especially with obsessive compulsive disorder people are like oh you know it's just cleaning and people will make jokes about it all the time on twitter and it's honestly last year when i went through psychosis with ocd it's one of the most debilitating horrible things i would never wish on anyone like it is so horrible and i think people just really need to stop in Hollywood's perception of what mental illnesses yeah. are and posting about them and actually read up on it and educate themselves or they post online for people to see definitely I think as well the issue is with TikTok is that quite a lot of the as you said the makeup looks it is young children doing the mm-hmm. looks and they obviously they haven't learnt about what these what these words actually mean so perhaps maybe if people were educated in schools from a younger age about mental illnesses the same way they're taught about their physical fitness they're taught about their bodies and everything like that Mm. i think that mental illness is just as important and they should be taught that from a young age and if they had the education perhaps they would be able to portray these mental illnesses in a different light instead of turning it into a trend i completely agree i think mindfulness should be taught in schools all across the country in primary schools because a lot of young children especially nowadays um do get very like sad and they they, there's a lot more anxiety in younger children of the next generation so i definitely think mindfulness would be brilliant to teach around schools up a bit more about it I do think young children nowadays are brilliant about talking about their feelings I've talked to a lot of young children who felt 
sad or an- anxious and they've been very open but I do think it's more 13 14 year olds kind of glamorizing certain illnesses yeah. and not really understanding um but yeah they're just doing it out of the good of their heart but I do think the way they come across is not necessarily best like you said it's all about education yeah I think as well with the younger generation they're a lot more open to learn about things mm, I agree and that through the use of as you've been doing social media social media is such an interesting way for them to be able to learn because that's what they know mm-hmm. and things like tv programs a lot of them are watching more outdated tv programs because nothing's being made new about social media mm. and all like mental illnesses and stuff like that so they aren't they're learning how the old stereotypes would have been about mental illnesses instead of the new information we have about it now and i think that they're a lot more open to learn about most things really if you i've been talking to my little sister she's 12 and all of them they're a lot more open about you know lgbt they're a lot more open about mental illnesses they discuss it you know and i think that Mm -hmm. we need to realize that even though they are children they are able to learn and they are these are serious topics to discuss and learn about but if we approach them in ways that they find interesting and engaging then it will be healthier for them mentally in the long run as well definitely I agree like um well I really didn't understand um being transgender a year ago and um my sister who's so I was how old was I it was about 18 19 she was 15 and she was educating me on it and now I, I accept it I understand but I did not understand it at all and my sister who was younger than me fully sat me down maybe watched this really good um tv series called butterfly I don't know whether you've seen it but it was all about this boy no. who wants to become a girl and it was amazing it made me understand like oh this is what trans people have to go through this is who they are yeah so I do think the younger generation are really good like you said open and accepting to learning it and can educate us yeah <laughs> they agree yeah definitely so how do you think lockdown in particular like being isolated has impacted people's mental health I think it's been hard for a lot of people because like you've been taken out of your A levels your exams GCSEs people have been working like everyday life has just gone to a halt and we've been told you have to stay in your house you have to be confined to your family I love my family but <laughs> four months of them you know like yeah. in the house I think it's I just think for people it's hard because you're being taken out of an environment a stimuli you've been used to all your life and then you're placed in like a very confined place and I think yeah. for a lot of people it's really causing upsurge in suicidal thoughts in depression yeah in um, intrusive thoughts with um, obsessive compulsive disorder schizophrenia psychosis because they're not being stimulated I think it's just been awful and I think the government really needs to introduce schemes when we're coming out of lockdown to kind of help people yeah I think similarly to what you were saying as well I saw a statistic saying that unemployment has raised by 15% Mm. since the beginning of lockdown. So lots of people have lost their jobs because of this virus. But there's a huge correlation between suicide rates and unemployment. Mm. 
also I think as well there should be a lot more support for people who have lost their jobs and are really struggling right now and they don't have access to therapy and or things like that and how are they supposed to deal with it without having the support they need. I agree because the um, NHS waiting list for therapies um, is so long like it could take yeah. you know a year and to pay privately is so expensive and some people well most Definitely. people don't have that many so I really think I agree they should introduce schemes or groups for people who have lost their jobs to just go and talk to because it's massive yeah. like it's it affects everyone like whatever social status you are whatever gender whatever age you know it, it's it, mental health affects everyone and especially during lockdown it's just been heightened with the job loss and it's just devastating for everyone I think definitely and as well I think in the older generation as well there's such a stigma about mental health and they don't realize that it is actually loneliness can kill people there are so Mm. many old people who are completely on their own have no one to talk to all day every day i've because i um i volunteer for the covid help group and Mm. so many old people ring they just want help with their groceries but they're on the phone chatting to you for 15 minutes and you're the only conversation that they have for a week Mm. you know yeah and it's people who are just spending every single day alone who definitely they're definitely struggling but they don't know how to ask for help so I think that's one thing that I've learned is really important is the people around you that your elderly neighbors you should we should be collectively as a younger generation checking in on them making sure they're okay making sure they've got everything and just having a chat with them really just making sure that they have a chat of the day you know I agree I agree it's such a big issue like you hear about all the time at elderly people being by themselves but it yeah. is and I definitely think more people should volunteer like you like yourself and just talk to them yeah. but there should be more groups I think there should be groups for mental health and for elderly people who just want to chat because like you said yeah. it's just such a long time for them to be by themselves it's horrible like, exactly and like you were saying um about Christmas we have um, an elderly neighbour opposite us, and I think she's around 90, mid-90s maybe, and my dad overheard her saying that it was her birthday that day, and she was just spending the whole day on her own. And I just find that so heartbreaking that these people are going through this at this time, all on their own, and they're, they've got all these special days that they're celebrating alone, just probably watching telly or something, you know? It's heartbreaking. Honestly, when you say it then, like, it breaks my heart. It's horrible. It is. And that's why I think the government should really put some money and funding into elderly schemes and for them to do stuff together. Exactly. Do you think that there's enough awareness for mental health of all ages at the moment? Um, I don't know. I feel... I think a lot of people think it doesn't really affect children. Which, bugs, yeah. which really bugs me because it does like I, I, I you know I love children I want to work with children I want to be a child psychologist when I'm older and yeah children have a lot of children who've been through sexual abuse or physical abuse are going to have issues and I think a lot of people don't understand this and they're like oh they'll be fine like the issues when you come when they're a teenager but I think it's really yeah. important to recognize like children you know, like, if you fix it when they're a child, it's not going to grow into anything worse. Um, yeah. And I think as well, a lot of people 
but kind of forget like men and middle-aged men can have a lot of mental health issues as well yes definitely um because i think a lot of people think mental health issues only range from like when you're a teenager to like your 30s 40s but one of the highest statistics on suicide is males over 40 yeah so i think yeah i do think um people need to realize that it can affect anyone at any age yeah definitely and as well um the lgbt community as well Mm. i think it was trans women their life expectancy is 32 years old because of the way they're treated in society because of the way people they don't respect them as real women they don't they and they get abused they get bullied they get all sorts of horrible horrible things happen to them and yet we're not seeing any statistics about them in the media i know it's it's awful it really is honestly i i think that as a community we should be we should be more inclusive towards mental health as well Mm -hmm. like as you said there is the stereotypical person who has a mental illness but that could be anyone and in films and the media industry you only see it as they kind of romanticize men having a mental health issue. Yes. You know, and someone comes and they it's that they save them and then they're normal. But these people, they're not they don't need to be fixed. They just need the support they need mm-hmm. to feel better in themselves. I completely agree. I can't put it better myself. <laughs> Definitely. So Mia, how do you think that activism fits into a modern society? I you know, I think with social media and stuff I think that's a biggie with all types of Mm -hmm. activism like especially with the um going off the mental health topic for the black lives matter movement with all that sort of activism on social media like that was everywhere I think that was brilliant for people to see like um, Judah my year he was on um ITV with his brothers talking about it and I watched it and I thought that's brilliant like that's amazing like social media plays such a big role in that in, yeah. in that movement and it really did I think educate a lot of people it educated me because I was reading a lot of posts of white privilege which I didn't even think about so I think that was brilliant yeah. but um social media is a biggie in modern society I think as well um a lot of people are more open to talking about it and especially with protests and stuff I think people when there's like a protest for some sort of activism I think more people Mm. aren't threatened by it they're more curious nowadays so they go and talk to them but I think social media would definitely be my biggie like Twitter, Instagram, Facebook Mm. like those platforms I think really do provide people who wouldn't have a voice a voice and they can really vocalize their point Exactly. It's such a good way to educate other people as well and also amplify the voices of the people who are sharing their stories. And it's so easy just to share something these days. And you've got 7,000 7, followers on Instagram. Um, yeah, so if you, share something on, <laughs> if you share something on yours, then 7,000 people could potentially see it you know I know so I think it is such a great education tool as well it really is and I do I love reading your Instagram post Katie on your stories <laughs> I I'm always I'm always fascinated I go by and reading them I'm like oh yeah yeah 
I, you're, you're brilliant on it, honestly. I really, oh, really you. inspire so you. Then. So, what are your social media accounts that our listeners can find you? Um, so on Instagram, my name is Mia Rose. <laughs> so it's just, <laughs> it's just M I A A, and then a dash, and then the little underscore thing, and then R O S E S. Um, Facebook, yeah. my name's just Mia Rose Miles. Um, Twitter, I have a really weird Twitter name. It's um, Mia Rose, said I N Adam one. I made it when I was like 14, I can't change. <laughs> so that's what <laughs> me. But just like the three um, main accounts I kind of post on. I post on Twitter the most and Instagram. Yeah. So if you want to follow me on there, guys, do it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for your time today, Mia. Okay. I hope you have a lovely rest of your day. You too, Katie. It's been lovely talking to you. Lovely talking to you. See you soon. Okay, bye, sweetheart. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. If you can, please donate to the Not Okay app on their website. The work they're doing is incredible and literally saving so many lives. I would recommend this app if you're struggling with your mental health. If you need help now, you can ring Samaritans on 116123. Thank you to all the amazing guests for coming this week. Follow the Modern Activist Podcast on Instagram at the Modern Activist Podcast and email the Modern Activist Podcast at the Modern Activist Podcast at gmail.com. And please rate us and review us five stars because it helps other people find the podcast. Thank you for listening and I'll see you next week. <laughs>